Hello. Welcome to this podcast called Finding Inspiration. It's a 20 or so minute weekly podcast where we interview someone with an amazing story. After the show, I know you're going to feel energized, invigorated, and inspired. I'm Jennifer Weissman. Welcome to Finding Inspiration. Tell me in one sentence, how can you solve the problem of hunger in the world? By rescuing food, surplus food, ending food waste. Two, three hundred people invited to a wedding, sometimes half don't show up. And I've seen all that food, all this extraordinary great food being thrown out. We are a very green-minded organization. We're rescuing food to help climate change, and we're helping the poor. It's a two-pronged mission. Our mission is to eradicate hunger in Israel. We picked up a party for 4,000 people that were canceled. Within four hours, 20,000 pounds were delivered to the people by the people. So I'm sitting here with Gideon Ben-Ami. He's the founder of Pessia's Kitchen. Pessia's Kitchen is an amazing food rescue organization. This year, Pessia's Kitchen has saved 1 million meals from the trash can or from rotting on the vine. Hi, Gideon. How are you? Thank you for inviting me here today to speak with you about food rescue. Let's talk a little bit about your background. I was born in Israel, but uh, very early on at the age of 12, just about three years after the establishment of the state of Israel, my family immigrated to the United States. Growing up late 40s and early 50s in Israel, which was a very difficult time in terms of uh, access to food and uh, and funding to buy food. People didn't really have good jobs and uh, running around defending the country. And it was a horrendous period for a child to grow up uh, feeling uh, the true feeling of lack of nutrition, lack of food security. So you were hungry growing up. It was, yeah, serious lengths of and period of times that we just didn't have enough food. Somehow there was always bread around because we had an uncle in uh, another city. I had to go by bus and travel a couple of hours to bring some loaves, a few loaves of bread for Shabbat. But uh, it was really that tough. Uh, so I remember that. And uh, uh, and it, 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 it's, it's somewhat traumatic to someone who's, gone, who's been in this situation of lack of food, not knowing where the next meal is going to come from. A uh, family of six children. But eventually we picked up and left to America uh, where we had plenty of food. And that's when I first recognized the issue of wasted food. There I began to see how much food is being wasted. In, in America, when you lived in America, in restaurants? The re- restaurants that I worked in later on as a teenager in uh, catering halls. Uh, around the city, two, three hundred people invited to a wedding. Sometimes half don't show up, and I've seen all that food, all this extraordinary great food being thrown out. No one was picking up that food and bringing it to the poor in the area, and that bothered me. And there are many, many people who lack uh, food security, and we don't know where their next meal is going to come from. So, with rescue food, you can actually eradicate hunger. It's a doable challenge. Just to be clear, rescued food is a meal or any kind of a box of food, a pound of food, a kilo of food that would be thrown in the garbage or unused in some way. Whatever foods, prepared foods, uh, canned foods, or food from agriculture, uh, or baked good products, you you, uh, quantify the meals with the weight of all that food. So really a pound of food represents a meal. And you're providing a million pounds of food to the community, you're providing a million meals. 
not necessarily each one will be a prepared meal. Some of them need to be upgraded to a soup or to a stew, but you will not be lacking food uh, if you receive packages uh, or help support from our foundation, Pesia's Kitchen. Who is Pesia? Pesia is a legendary grandmother in our family. She's a legend because she, in a small shtetl in old Poland, small village of a couple of thousand people, she was known to be able to feed anyone that was hungry. Uh, we don't know how she did that because she herself was a widower at a young age with seven children of her own. My gosh. This was a poor community, yet everybody knew that she would solve your problem if you were lacking food. Uh, and people who would bring uh, their pot of uh, stew uh, to lay over for Friday night till Saturday in her oven, she would look at uh, into the pot and see if there was enough food. If not, she would add to it. All these stories about her uh, just inspired us to always think about not wasting food, bringing it over to where it's needed and can be used. And uh, throughout the years, we've been in the food uh, hospitality business, so we recognize it more and more and more, the absurdity or the paradox of food being thrown out while they could be uh, moved and brought over to the impoverished community, the poor community, to those who need it, uh, and not uh, do harm to earth, which we'll talk about later about the harm that waste food does to earth. You said one third of all food in the Western world is thrown in the garbage. Right. It's not used. Not used. You had a very successful chain of restaurants. Right. You had a, you were in the hotel business. You had done a lot of things. You were an entrepreneur, a very successful entrepreneur. And you came to the point where you decided you were going to retire. Tell us about your next move. Well, with a grandmother in the background and her legendary history in our family, and uh, having the background of having uh, suffered from chronic hunger and growing up in New York, in America, seeing the waste of food, both here in Israel, uh, 10 years ago, uh, thinking of retirement, uh, I, I thought to myself, I'm too young to retire. Well, let's, let's do another 10 years in something that has not to do with profit for me, but I want to do something that will touch the neighborhood, the community I live in, uh, and then it little by little turned uh, out to be a, a model that has grown. The model is very simple and it was very, very few people working. But with additional 70 or 80 volunteers, we can get a million meals uh, to the needy this year and probably two million next year. And just to be clear about the cost, your budget is 300,000 US dollars. Something like 29 cents. So 29 cents a meal, you're delivering a million meals right. of food that would otherwise be thrown in the garbage or left to rot on the vine. A yeah. Damage to the ground, to earth, to agriculture, and to the environment. So Pessius Kitchen has a logistics center. Yes. Dried food, unused, prepared foods, refrigerated foods. Right. So walk us through how that happens, and then we'll talk more about how you move the food around the country. Uh, we are partners or member organizations with our national food bank, like at Israel. So I would say 70, 80% of the food we receive is by shipments of trucks that Leket brings to us from. But then the other 20, 30% of rescued food comes from different directions. One is corporate kitchens. Uh, Cor corporate kitchens being Google, yeah, Waze, yes. Microsoft, Intel. Electric company, the police department, the fire department, anyone that has a corporate kitchen 
or an industrial kitchen feeding several hundred of its employees, we're there. That goes directly to shelters around town. It does not even arrive to our logistics center because food has to get places quickly under very supervised conditions for health safety reasons. So from Google, we may uh, arrive at a homeless uh, center for 50 men and they would have lunch, same lunch that the Google employees ate that day, just a couple hours later. It's uh, amazing. And those chefs and employees of Google are so happy to see that their food is not thrown out. Imagine the biggest company in the world feeding its employees. Yes. Then we go straight to shelters. You have a team of volunteers. They go out to Google. They pick up the unused one, 200, 300 meals, whatever it is. Then they drive it straight to the, the shelter's kitchen. Exactly. We use the community in picking up and moving food from A to B. So we have very, very few uh, people uh, working on staff. It's really a group of five staff members that handled all the logistics of moving this amount of food. So let's just let's just focus on that for one minute because as an American, I look at these nonprofit organizations and they're huge and they're bloated and they have giant budgets right. and the CEO is making millions of dollars like right. for Red Cross, right. for example. I am absolutely stunned that for $300,000, your team of five with 70 volunteers can move around not only a million meals in 2021, but what do you expect to do in 2022? We expect to do 2 million meals. We don't have any rental expenses. The community lets us operate rent-free. Your office are shipping containers that were donated. So you're looking to replicate this hub in South Tel Aviv in different places throughout the country. Right. We first started running around uh, for the first few years between restaurants. But this was very small quantities of food. This was hundreds of, of, of meals, uh, probably thousands of meals. When we started to evolve to where it is today, it was about three or four years ago, uh, when we hooked up with the food banks and became a neighborhood food bank, really, distributing goods from the food bank. Then we started to get into very, very big numbers. And our budget didn't expand because we didn't have to pay moving large amounts of food. Do you count on the community support? Yes, we don't have excess uh, expenses such as rent. Yeah, you don't have rent. Pestia's Kitchen is a food bank. People come to the bank. The bank does not come to people. Right. So tell us about how you you, you get the food to say Holon. What happens in Holon? Well, Holon, we're going to meet with the mayor uh, next week. And we're going to tell him that we can bring over 50,000 shekels worth of produce to any little area of space you allow us. And we'll have the local organization that help people who are in need of food come over and pick it up. And uh, what do you say about that? And I'm sure he's going to say, wonderful. You, I heard about you doing it in Poulon and in Tel Aviv and in Bernat Shapira in South Tel Aviv. I, w- I hope that he embraces the project. How could he turn away that valuable amount of food? That's the interesting part about this. Usually in a negotiation, there's someone who's going to say, yeah, that's not for me. This is a win-win. Has anybody said no to you? Has, no, it, has any no, Nobody no, has said no, no to you. This is an... This is the most unusual business involvement I was ever involved in, where everybody's satisfied. Your food donors, your financial donors, certainly your partnering organizations who receive the food. And of course, the people who really need it. And everybody's thanking you all day long. You know, it's, it's one of those things that there's no more a challenge to break even. Every day is a break even. That's a beautiful line. Today, for example, we received a truck full of salads with dates good for another two weeks from a new salad company that are just not marketing quickly 
enough. So they reached out to you and delivered the salad. Right. So we had 100 cartons of salad, 4,000 pounds of vegetables, 2,000 loaves of breads just this morning. And all that would have been thrown out if we were not there. Can you imagine 4,000 pounds of food thrown out? I saw it with my own eyes. I know I saw you landfills. Did. I went to see landfills. That they're, they're horrible. They're ruining us. Why not bring it to the people who need it? We want to be the first country that eradicates this chronic hunger situation. One of your goals, and this is a lofty goal, but I think you can do it. CNN and Fox News. <laughs> And the New York Times to run a headline that says, Israel, the first country to eradicate hunger. Yeah, is there is any headline. reason why this can't be done? I don't know why. I, I, this is something that keeps me up at night. It's not right. Tell me in one sentence, how can you solve the problem of hunger in the world? By rescuing food, surplus food, ending food waste everywhere. Fruits that don't look perfect. Is that called the ugly fruit? The ugly fruit. The that, ugly fruit. Yeah, and so what is that? <laughs> It's a new movement that's advocating to use fruits and vegetables, even if though they're not perfect. Even in a supermarket itself, if you notice in the produce, there's a guy always taking out any the, the ugly, the and bruised, he puts it in the bottom, yeah, and that amounts to tonnage of food. Also, so what happened in France passed the law: supermarket cannot throw to waste; they have to call a non-for-profit. I wish that that would be a thing in Israel too. Seems like a no-brainer to institute. Let me ask you, since you're bringing up law, the Good Samaritan law that was approved in Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about that and how that has affected Pessius Kitchen. Uh, regarding the Good Samaritan Law, you know, the, the army, the police uh, uh, were very uh, afraid and to give out food donations from uh, surplus food they had. Because uh, of a lawsuit? They were afraid, yeah, that they would hurt people, that it wouldn't be handled properly and it would be unhealthy to give uh, Well, all that changed and we now do pick up from army, from the police, uh, because uh, the Knesset uh, passed a law that uh, does not make the donor responsible for any damage that might occur to uh, the grantee if he ate something that wasn't good and he had a stomachache. This never really happened. Suits like that never really came to court. Uh, Nothing significant, but people were always afraid of it in years past. And every soldier, former Israeli soldier, would tell you how much food they would throw out in the army, but not today. Today, it's already, there's awareness of rescue food and uh, with the food banks, uh, it happens less and less. We talk about prepared food that's not going to waste. And you mentioned quickly about supermarkets not buying a perfect looking cucumber. What about leaving food on the vine and what does that do? It hurts the soil because then they rework the soil with rotten produce that was sitting there, emitting very, very toxic gases. The The landfills are emitting so much toxic gas, cause climate change, second to gas emitted by cars. Food is second to gas? Yes, that's how big this thing is for climate. We are a very green-minded organization. We're rescuing food to help climate change, and we're helping the poor. It's a two-pronged mission. At first, you know, you're trying to help people to eat, you know, it's just such a basic thing, you know, I don't know. How yeah, food on the table seems like everybody should automatically have that. Food, I would say, is number one issue, because if you don't have that for a couple of days, you're dead. You are talking about wasted food. The world is surplus amount of food. The world manufactures a lot more food than we need. They give you a sell-by date or... And the good, expiration good date. Deal, and then everybody throws it out. And they throw dates, it out. That's which is a, it's a joke. It's a, it's a crime against humanity. Yeah. I bought uh, uh, Himalayan salt, you know, the pink salt that yeah. you grind. Yeah. It's been there for millions of years. They put it in a bottle. They put a two-year uh, life season for it. it. My great-grandchildren can use this salt. 
But they tell me after two years, throw it out. That's hilarious. And, but in Israel, sadly enough, it's a law if you sell it the day after. Crazy scenario you just laid out with Himalayan salt. Yeah. A thousand year old salt, but you have Millions. to have it. Millions of a million year old salt. It's a mineral that sits there with, the, you know, they just take a piece of it, grind it, put it in the bottle. And so, for some reason, the food in, the food companies here say you can only use it in the next two years. Yeah, it probably cost them also two cents, and they paid fifteen shekels for it. By the way, but so, that's another that's, that's another, another podcast. That's another podcast. That's another podcast. <laughs> I want to touch on what Corona did to Israel and this idea of the new poor. Do you have any stories of people when the Corona hit us and people all of a sudden were out of a job and had no cash flow? To buy food. So one day a guy comes to us in a new luxurious car, jacket and tie, like an executive, and he's asking if I can help him and his family with a package of food. And I said, sure. Wondering, I said, well, how are you doing? What, you know, how's the corona eating? He said, I was just laid off. Uh, I have to bring the car back tomorrow to the company. But I thought I'd use the car today just as a opportunity to pick up some food because I don't know how I'm going to do over the next couple of weeks without income. So he had no cash at hand. No. And that happened to a lot of people. So we had a whole bunch of new poor. The uh, new poor. The Corona forced people out of work quickly. They had no cash at hand. They had no savings. And they came to you. And I know at some point you... You switched from corporate kitchens to making soups, hearty soups. What happened uh, during, as the corona broke, people stayed home and uh, the corporate kitchens weren't operating. And then we built a dependency of, for of about a thousand people daily with, the, with a prepared food program. So when the corporate kitchen stopped, they stopped, they stopped employees coming to the office. You had a thousand people who were counting on your daily exactly, meals. Exactly. Exactly. And we felt that responsibility. So we uh, uh, asked our donors to help us build a soup production kitchen in one of our containers. And what did that cost? It cost about $30,000. For $30,000, you built a, a kitchen where you could prepare soup for a thousand people. This is a new thing we added because of COVID and on our own production of upgrading the vegetables we get into a very nutritious soup. A complete meal. And again, it's, it's about 32 cents a day. Exactly. For the soup. Exactly. Amazing. When you create four or five more hubs around the country here, what does that do to your budget? Do you have to increase your budget? Do you need more hires in your core group to go from 2 million meals to 4 million meals? No, we're all set up now for it. With the present budget, we're all set up for it with community involvement. With community involvement, how many meals, Gideon, do you think you could serve or provide in the next five years without changing your budget? Several million meals annually. Our mission is to eradicate hunger in Israel. Israelis solve the problem of chronic hunger in this country. Very high-tech country. Did it with very simple tech, low tech, you know, by, by figuring out the most simple way to get food from A to B. I love that line. So low cost and so efficient that uh, might even be considered brilliant. Why? Because it proves that you can end hunger at very little cost. And this is a mission of ours also, to entice governments and inspire or, uh, big organizations and, and big international uh, food organizations and donors to say, let's use this model, let's adopt this model in our area. Because we have a proof of concept. We're now scaling up to a real startup. And when we go through next year and show 2 million meals, I think there'll be great interest in Pestias. Tons of food being thrown into the garbage right. dumpsters. Right. 
And it's like if you had a network to grab that food before it hits the dumpster that's perfectly delicious and edible yeah. and get it, as you say, a few hours later to homeless shelters, yeah. brilliant. Your business model is proven. I know that Grandma Pessia is looking down on you with a big, broad smile, thinking, boy, her grandson did something unbelievably inspiring. And I thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week on Finding Inspiration. Hey, I would appreciate it if you would click on that subscribe button and share this podcast with a friend. See you next week. I'm Jennifer Weissman.